on into this. Let's say hi to our online crowd. God bless you guys. Thanks for joining us. Bob Smiley, he was up here and he said, uh, back in the day when I was growing up and, and my parents and stuff, we, you know, and he does this motion and, and uh, somebody over on this side says, spanks. He goes, yeah, we, you know, we did spanking. We believed in that and, and uh, you know, spanking kids. And the guy that said spanking, he turns around and he said, how many kids do you have, sir? And the guy goes, we, we don't have any kids. He goes, so you just spank random children. I just, I was just so funny. His wife about fell out of her chair laughing so hard, but it was one of those times. Oh, okay. <laughs> Thank you for that history lesson. That's a <laughs> But so fun to laugh, and uh, you got to see Bob's heart, and we had several people. We had, we had folks who drove from New Hampshire to come to that concert. That's, you know, that's around the park and back, I think. But uh, um, several people, people that we didn't know even, but then, you know, people that, that attend here said, are we having him back? And we said, absolutely. You know, if he'll come back. And he's like, this is awesome. Yes, when can I come back? But, you know, he, he knows and we know you have to kind of give that some time. You can't have him and then two weeks later have him again. I guess you could, but... <laughs> Uh, so, we're, you know, in eight months to a year, we'll get it on the schedule, as his schedule permits, and we'll get Bob back with us and, uh, and have a good time with that. So, i got to get this out of my pocket, and uh, we are good to go. But we, we finished our revelation. We got through 22 chapters of that, and uh, we've lived to tell about it. And uh, so, that was, that was great. I learned a lot, and I know I was the guy teaching and preaching that, but I learned a lot in that. But I, I really believe God's taking us somewhere. Come on, do you believe that we're doing something on purpose? I mean, you're not just existing. If this is just existing, <laughs> the comedy show's over, okay? We're, we're moving into... <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we don't want to just exist. We want to live our life on purpose, and we want to just continue to grow in the Lord. But God has something big planned for your life and for the life of this church and uh, and where uh, the world is is heading because we can see right now there's a lot of things that aren't getting any better and so we want to be on the winning side and so i want to welcome you but uh you know we always have hope how many knows that jesus is hope if we we just invest in jesus he's hope and god has always given us and he gives you as well sometimes we don't listen real well but there's always a call to action there is always something that we can do for the ministry or for what the Lord, for ourselves or what he's telling us to do, to make us better, uh, to do the things that will help the kingdom. He's always giving us something. You know, and and the, the problem is so many times we're waiting on something huge, come on, and he's giving you something small. And we're waiting on something big, and he wants to see what you're going to do with what you have that's small. Because if you will do good with what is small then he can trust you with what is larger. How many have children? And you know sometimes you're just like, hey, I would do this for you, but I want to see how you do that. Let me, show me how you can manage this or how you can keep this clean or how you can do this. And God does those same type things. John 14, 1 says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. Here's the, here's the thing. We have an assignment. Turn to your neighbor and say, we're on a job. We have an assignment. We have something to do. God has placed in each of us. There's vision in you. Some of us, we don't, we don't want to recognize it, or we are thinking we're not good enough. And that's the enemy trying to tell you you're not capable. You can't make it. You're never going to do that. You'll never see that. And he speaks loud, and he's good at speaking loud. But there is a voice inside if you're a believer or there's one that's trying to call you, the Holy Spirit trying to say, listen, there is a better plan. I believe the church has received a wake-up call in 2021 and 2020. Well, 2020 was just no, no good. I did not like 2020. Uh, but, you know, we've got a wake-up call. What's going in our world? I mean, we've all walked through a pandemic. It, it's nice to be able to walk into a store now and go, oh, wait. I don't have to have a mask on. That's pretty nice. Some people still wear them, and that's fine. They, you know, that's where they're at. That's what they want to do. I don't have a problem with that, but it's just nice. I don't have to wear one. 
we, we've witnessed a lot of change in the White House. A lot of things that were, were started were then stopped because other folks got in there and all that kind of stuff. It's time America wakes up. It's time that we wake up and we just are like, hey, we can't just shut our eyes and it's all going to be okay. We can't play the cowardly lion and just, <laughs> and just, it's going to continue. Those events in 2020, 2021 are, are telling us the body of Christ, the church, it's a call that's out there for us to be who we're supposed to be. It's a call for us to stand up for what is right. It's no secret the enemy does have an agenda. He does have a plan. He is working just as well as you're like, oh, I don't know if God is. I'm telling you, there's really only two things going on. If we want to pull back everything instead of making this complicated, let's just keep it as simple as we can. There's God's way and there's the enemy's way. Let's just do that. There's black and white, good cop, bad cop. I don't care how you want to say it. But there is a plan. The enemy, he certainly doesn't want you to know God's plan for you. And if he can keep you preoccupied, if he can keep you busy, if he can keep you worried, he can keep you stressed, he can keep you all bent out of shape, he can keep you all in debt, he can keep you all this way and that way and you just don't know which way to turn, he can keep you addicted, he can keep you all these things and he's going to do it. I believe now that people are more than ever starting to go, I need God. I need God to move. I want to see a move of God. There's a desire, I think, I know there is one in, in me and my wife, and I believe in this church, just for revival, just a, a call back to God, a, a, just a call to say, you know what? I'm going to just go this way. This is that. I mean, he's showing me. There is a, a light that I'm following that's going to sound weird, but let me, let me explain. The Israelites, remember, they, they followed the cloud, and they followed the fire at night, the pillar. That's what I'm talking about. Just I, I see God moving. That's where I'm going. What would happen if we, as Americans, or as people of God, began to uplift and believe and pray? But revival doesn't happen by accident. There's a cost. There's a walk to walk it out. Years ago, I did a camp meeting back in the day when camp meetings were pretty popular for churches. And, you know, you'd have camp meeting. I had John Kilpatrick at our camp meeting. And John uh, was the pastor of the Brownsville Revival. That revival went on five years. And he was... You know, I mean, he, matter of fact, the day the revival hit, he was just plum tuckered out. He was wore out. He had Steve Hill, the evangelist, that when the revival started was speaking that day because Kilpatrick just said he was, he was resigning. He was just done because ministry is taxing. Now, if you're not a minister, you might not understand that. But do you real? I mean, as a minister, and I'm just saying, I'm not saying, ooh, I'm just giving you some stats. A minister really never is off call. If you just think about it, and it, you know, the larger the church gets, which is fine, and that's what we want, that is why sometimes there's, there's somewhat layers of just because one person can't be, you know, sometimes my phone will just seems like it continually rings. But somebody, you know, needs something, and we certainly want to help that and all of that, but, you know, it just wears sometimes and then you because you love people you want them to succeed you want to see them make it and so you know if they have setbacks it, it like oh i just want them to you know so it, you you carry all of these things so Kilpatrick was just but what i'm saying there's a cost that church went from you know i don't know what they were running to all of a sudden it was world known and there were people standing for hours outside with lawn chairs waiting for church to start we were one of those we went down, I don't know, several times just to go in, just to get a glimpse or a taste of revival, not because we were seeking what was happening. We were just like, we wanted God. I mean, and, and revival 
Big light attracts big bugs. That's what Kilpatrick and Steve Hill told me. Big light attracts big bugs. Now, Steve's with Jesus now. Kilpatrick's still pastoring, to my knowledge, or, or speaking and whatever. Uh, I believe he's still pastoring. Um, but anyway, uh, we, we've, you know, there's stories of a guy dressed like Moses. I am Moses. Tell Brother Kilpatrick I am here. Call the squad. <laughs> you know? I mean, there's people that are just, they're just Okay. But anyway, we saw things there that were just amazing. But there's a cost. That facility was open every day. And the church all of a sudden not only had foot traffic for hundreds of people that went through every day. I don't even know how many the auditorium held. So there might have been 1,000 people there at night. I don't know. But toilet paper, hand soap, water. Whatever. I mean, just imagine. We don't think of those things. But yet God was ushering that in and God provided for that. Every time there's been a revival, this is interesting, it has come during major social turmoil. <clears throat> social media today is everywhere. There is drama at the drop of a hat. Revival changes the way people think, and the way people act. So I think the time right now, it's, it's, it's beginning to be ripe for this to happen. Because people can post anything on social media, and you've seen it. So how do we know? Brett, what do we know? How do we know when revival will come? I want us to just kind of look back a little bit, just look at some history. There have been a number of revivals in America that we can learn from, and I believe that God wants to use churches that are hungry, like TLC, to say, let's do some revival. Let's let, let, let's let it start here. Certain ingredients, like you'd need to bake a cake, there are certain things needed for a revival, and so we want to head in that direction. So our first thought this morning is follow the sound. Now, I'm going to explain all these. When they were in the upper room, if you remember, waiting on the power of God to hit, waiting on the Holy Ghost, there was a sound, the Bible says, like a mighty rushing wind. You need to head towards that. Now, back in the day, if you lost something, remember they had something, like if you lost your car keys, you could go, and your, and your key ring would go, beep, 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 and you'd go, oh, wait a minute. Nowadays, like my wife has a watch. And if she's like, okay, I know I've, my cell phone, I was in this room because she's cleaning or doing something. I, I don't remember which room I laid my phone down. She'll do something on her watch, and then you'll hear, boom, 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 boom. Oh, phone's over there. And she'll go over and she'll get her phone. That, you know, so she'll go towards the sound. Have you ever been in a dark room and somebody's talking to you? I'm over here. Or you're out. Keep talking because I, I don't know where over here is. So you want to follow that voice. When a lion roars, it gets to the attention of everything around it. And they say that you can hear a lion's roar for anywhere from five to eight miles away, depending on the wind and the terrain. And that's, that's a long distance. But there's a purpose. You know, when, a, when the male lion, he roars, and, and the enemy or what he is after that he wants to eat runs away from that. And so they run the opposite direction of where that sound is coming from. But what they don't know is the lionesses, do you realize that it, it's the females that... <laughs> it, really, the males just kind of chase them that way. The females take care of all the other stuff. They're like, they're really, you know, they're the hunt. They just take care of the stuff. But anyway, so the prey runs right into the to the lionesses that are waiting for them. They don't know they shouldn't run that way because they hear that sound and they run away from it. Hebrews 10.38 says this, And my righteous ones will live by faith, but I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. You see, if they knew anything, they would head towards the sound and not away. 1 Peter 5.8 says this, Stay alert, watch out for the great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, this is going to sound like, Brett, you're, I don't know. But my wife knows this. She has watched me for years, and I've watched her, and she does the same thing. 
I mean this in, in the best way. So I'm just trying to give you some examples of our life. There have been times that God has had me in seasons of fasting, and, and it seemed like it would never end. Now, that doesn't mean a whole lot to you, but for the guy that's not eating, oh. I mean, next, you know, he, you, you need to fast for 21 days. I do not want to fast for 21 days. Can we do 21 minutes? Can I just fast when I sleep? But, you know, there was all these things. But what would happen is then when I, I would be, the enemy would bombard you. Now, think about when Jesus, when it says the Holy Spirit put him out in the wilderness, drove him out, told him to go out there. And, and he fasted 40 days. Now, what does the enemy tease him with? Well, if you were God, you could turn those stones into what? Bread. Why? Because he's hungry. So he's going to tease him or to tempt him with that kind of thing. So I would be the same thing. I'm not saying I'm Jesus and neither are you, but what I'm saying is then I'd be, every food commercial is like 50 bazillion of on. Every time you turn around, nobody out pizzas the hut. Shut up. <laughs> so you, you get it. But if I've, I was determined, you know, the Lord, you told me to fast. So this is what I would do. Now listen to what I'm saying. I would run to the roar. I would head towards the noise. You, you need to eat. You need to eat. I would tell her, what do you want for supper? I'm cooking. But you're fasting. That's right. So I'm going to cook it and not eat it. Do you understand? I'm going to run towards what the, the enemy is going to try a lot of things. Head towards him. Now, you might say, that is stupid. This is why David took Goliath. Goliath did not expect David, the boy, who are you sending out a boy with a stick? I mean, what, what's this? David just takes off towards Goliath. You know he's got the sling. Goliath's not ready for that. I am telling you today, there's something that is making noise in your life, and you need to snuff it out. And the way you'll snuff it out is not run away from it. You need to run to it with the power of God, with the grace of God, and the wisdom of God, and his design, and take it out. That's what God is waiting on. When will you, I mean, instead of, I don't want to see that giant every day. You know, that's what David said. Today, it's over. Somebody needs to be like, you are done. David took off the giant's head with his own sword. The giant sword. Because he, I'm not facing him again. It's over today. Are you tired of facing the same thing? You want revival in your life? Head towards the roar. Get the plan from God. Proverbs 28.1. The wicked run away when no one is chasing them, but the godly are as bold as lions. That's supposed to be us. We're the ones who are supposed to be doing the roaring. We're the ones who are supposed to be declaring, the Bible says this. This is the way. Walk in it. This is what God says. This is what I'm going to do. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. My kids would tell me, you know what? Can I do? But this is what Jimmy's dad does or, or Billy's dad. I'm not Jimmy's dad. I'm not Billy's dad. I'm your dad. And this is what we do. Now, if God wants to adjust that, then let God adjust that. But I'm telling you, that's what we did with our children. Our viewpoint has got to start matching the Father's viewpoint. Jesus was, he was awesome at it. If you've heard, I, I hear my dad, I say what he says. I see my dad do it, that's what I do. So many times, we view ourselves as just little lambs. I got I don't want to make a wave. I don't want to make a noise. I don't want to make a ripple. And nobody likes that. I get it. How many hate to make everybody happy? You can't do it. You try pastoring a church, you cannot make everybody happy. They had a church one time before we got there, they had fist fights because of the wall color on the walls. We need to get a committee. No, we don't need to get a committee. We're going to paint the walls a good color. Deal with it. <laughs> Moving on. We play so much defense 
instead of offense. We are just back there. Well, what's the enemy going to do? I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And that's good. You need to block and get all that, and God will help you. But I'm telling you, we need some counter moves. We need some counter moves. We need to see revival. We need to see a change in our nation. We need to not just talk about it, but it's going to happen when we start to change for it. Quit asking God to change. He doesn't change. Hebrews 13, 8, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not going to change. It is us. He's perfect. He's not changing. We have to change to him. We have to start being, not operating an offense like to hurt people. I'm talking about doing what he tells us to do, operating with action. But let me tell you this. It's going to take courage. It's going to take courage. Now, we talked in, are these the end times, about those that end up in hell. Hell wasn't even created. It was created for the the devil and his demons. It wasn't created for us. But anyway, we've read about that. 21.8 in Revelation says, Cowards, unbelievers, the corrupt, murderers, immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worshipers, and all liars. Their fate is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. It's amazing the faithless and the cowardly in other translations are in the same category as murderers, sexually immoral, and others who are going to hell. And just help me out here because they're going to hell for what they did. They murdered, sexually immoral, whatever. But the cowardly and the faithless are going to hell for what they didn't do. That's a little hard to swallow. Because they were refusing to stand for God. To say, you know what? You see, in our mind, we get this picture that America does, that every, every person, if you're going to be a warrior must look like Arnold Schwarzenegger or John Rambo or Indiana Jones or, you know, whatever. No, I don't think David looked like that. I don't even know that Samson looked like that. Wouldn't it be, you know, what if Samson, you know, looked like Bob Smiley? (laughs) Would that not be more amazing? I mean, if you get a guy that walks up there... I must break you. And he's just huge. You're like, okay, that's Samson. Yeah, he can push this. What if a little guy like Bob Smiley got up there and went, <laughs> People would be like, there is a God. <laughs> Woo! You know, so what happens is there are people that are they're really brave behind a keyboard, aren't they? They get behind a keyboard they're brave. They don't really want to engage in person, but they'll say one thing in public and another thing in public on a keyboard. But that's not who we are in the body of Christ. Let our yes be yes and our no be no. Let us be known for the spirit of God that runs in our veins. Let us be known for the God, that anointing that's on us. Let us be known for, for how we respond and how we act in love and that we're, we're quick to do what God wants and we're, we're not you know, fast just to say something off the end of our mouth. I am so guilty of that. God has helped me. I mean, I'm a lot better than I used to be, but oh boy. It didn't take nothing, but, and you know, we, her, we could be walking somewhere and somebody would say something, and I'd say, I'm sorry, did you say something? And they, you know, they, it could be three, she's with me, there could be three or four people. Hey, why don't you, you know, and I'd be like, okay. And she'd be like, you are such a redneck. <laughs> so God has helped me. But see, it's, it really comes down to, now think about this, not who we are, but whose we are. Because he is the one that we serve. So right is right and wrong is wrong. I want to be counted righteous. I want to be counted courageous. 
I want to be able to say, yes, God, if you can send anyone, send me. Do they need someone to pray? I'll do it. God, if they need someone to intercede, I'll do it. You know what? One of the many things I love about this woman, we were talking the other day, and she is just a God believer. And she's just like, if God said it, that's it. There isn't any discussion about it. You can discuss it all you want, but it's done. If he said all, he means all. That's, that's awesome. She doesn't need me to convince her of anything. She's already convinced. She's fully persuaded, as Paul would say. We got to hear the sounds of revival. We got to see them in our spirit and then process that and run to that. God, help me run to that. Help me be the one in the store, in the restaurant, and wherever to say, yeah, if you see somebody, hey, can I pray for you? What if God told you to do that? Would you run to that? We've been doing defense. It's time we see our country that's been taking, it's just been slowly being taken from us to start being offense and saying, yes, I will do that. God, I'll stand up for what's right. God made us the local church for battle, standing up for what is right. Our second thought this morning, each one reach one. Philippians 2.4, don't look out for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You see, revival happens when just... Just the local church, the, the people of God, they find purpose in what God has put in their life, bringing people to salvation, living the life of God in front of people. People want answers. They want fruit. They don't want church as usual or church uh, legalistically religious. They want lifestyle to say like, you know, there are people who are just like, oh, I've been called the Jesus freak. I've been called preacher man. I've been called, well, probably a lot of things I've been called. <laughs> but one thing they'll, they'll be like, okay, but when this God's honest truth, and this isn't me, I'm just saying this is the God in me. When hell is breaking loose in their life, you know who they call? The one they've been making fun of. I know you pray. Can you pray? Would you pray for this? I can pray for that. Because, see, God's going to give you open doors. And these people that are next door to you, these people that live down the street from you, these family members, God's going to show you he wants to use you. But you can't just be like, you know what? I'm the silverware that only gets used on Christmas and Easter. I'm the dishes that come out only once in a while. No, you are to be on display because you are God's child, God's servant. It's his kingdom. People need to know how his kingdom works. Sometimes just looking at the big picture, it gets overwhelming. We just think, well, let the big churches take that. Let them do that. I don't believe that's what God intended. I believe that he, he works in each one of us. Statistics say right now about 32% of the world, 32% of the world is Christian. If we each set out with one objective, Father, help me to win one person to Jesus in one year. Just one. 32 plus 32, 64. Would that be amazing? Now, yes, there's going to be somebody out. People are having babies. There's more people. I know. I know. We're looking for revival, but we need to understand that something's happened, again, in stewardship in small steps. We all want, Lord, I want you to bless me with a million dollars. What are you doing with the $10 he gave you? Well, I, I don't think I have to tithe on that. Really? Is it working well for you? You know, I tithe out of everything that comes in my hands in my house. And if I, you know, did it wrong or forget, she reminds me. And, and vice versa. I mean, we just work. That's, that's just how it's, it's not our money. Some people ask, how did this happen for you? I'll tell you how it happened. God. It's God. Do I have nice things? I do have nice things. But they're not my things. They're his things. I'm just kind of in charge of them. 
Small steps. You get to the top of a mountain, one step at a time. You know, as a kid, how do you eat a baby elephant? One bite at a time. I don't know anybody that's eaten a baby elephant, <laughs> but one bite at a time. So some people have different views. They like a big church because they can go into a big church and they can lose themselves. Nobody knows really who they are. They can slip in and slip out, and they're kind of like, ah. Some people don't, that's, they don't like a big church because they just feel like they don't know anybody. Other people like the fact they don't know anybody. They just want to go to church. Some people like small churches because everybody knows everybody. I have people that have been here and said, you know, and then they have left, and here's their comment. We'd stay, but you're going to be a big church, and we don't want to be a big church. Where's that in the Bible? Show me that. You see, isn't it, isn't it go into all the world? Or did I read that wrong? And preach the gospel? Isn't it these signs? Come on, we'll follow them to believe. If people want to see God and people are getting healed, saved, delivered, there's answers there. I want to be part of that. This year, I challenge you, I'm going to reach at least one person. Our third thought this morning, focus on discipleship. 28, 19 of Matthew says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Hmm, there's that word all again. All the nations. So there's going to be more than one person. You'll get more opportunities. You'll see all kinds of things happen. But that Great Commission isn't just about winning souls. Because we've all done that. We've all sometimes, sometimes, well, you said the prayer, you're saved. There's no magic prayer. You, you can say a lot of things. You can say, then they're just words. It is, come on, confess with your mouth. Believe in your heart. you got to have that belief. If you confess that prayer with your mouth, you believed in your heart, the Bible says you call on the Lord, he hears you, you're, you're what? You're saved. You're born again. Your sins are washed away. But you have to believe that. So then there's, and this is the, this is the thing. Salvation is free. Jesus paid for your salvation. But it's literally the walk is what will cost you. So in other words, now you have to walk it out. That's why it's important the Bible talks about confessing to someone, telling someone, you know what, I got saved today. Because it says if you are ashamed to tell somebody that, then he's ashamed to talk about you as well. That's layman's terms, but that's what it means. Because when you tell somebody, I got saved today, guess what happens? Accountability. That means things start happening. Old things start being passed away. All things become new. Things are changing. Your mindset's changing. Your heart is changed. God's spirit now is inside you. You're connected with God. Things now are becoming like, wow, I never saw that before. Discipleship changes things. It changes your thinking. And it's found in revival. It's foundational, and we build on that. Because once somebody gets saved, they need to know, what do I do from here? What do I do from here? I don't know that there's a lot of churches today teaching the full word of God. Because they don't want to offend anyone. We've become so seeker-friendly, we forgot who we're doing this for. We're missing the call to disciple people. You see, when we're, we have the truth and we are taught the truth, you have answers. The Bible says, the truth shall set you free. So if you want freedom, you have to get the word, which is truth. And then how do we apply that word? I was so blessed. I had a, a person that attends here, and they came up to me during the Bob Smiley thing when it was over here in the foyer, and she said, Pastor, can I talk to you for a minute? And I, I, Pastor Kim and I have talked about this. We want to start doing, uh, eventually, we'll, we'll get you know, Ben involved in this, and uh, you know, anyway, um, whoever's running the camera, we want to get some interviews that we can throw up on the screen of where, hey, 
This is what God did in our life. So you'll see real people with real answers instead of just hearing me all the time, which, you know, I, I know you believe me, but I'm just saying it's nice to go, oh, wow. But this is what she said. She said, I started doing what you taught us. And I said, praise God, what, what are you doing? She said, some things were going on, and she said, instead of telling God, I started telling that thing. You can't do that. That's wrong. My Bible says that God takes care of that. So I started talking to that thing. She said, it works. I was like, sweet. And she was happy, grinning from ear to ear. You see, that's what this is about. That's about saying, you know what? The word works every time. It's our faith that sometimes struggles, doesn't it? Mine included. Right now, 6% of the world has biblical worldview. Revival changes the way people think and act. You'll see things. You might not even be in agreement with everything that you see because we can't control people. Sometimes people have their own agenda, but God can sort all that out. But if we start applying a Bible verse to the issues that we have, you know, some of this is pretty, it's not even, it's not that hard. It's just the belief. What are you struggling with? What are you dealing with? Find a word that deals with what you're dealing with. Revelation 12, 11 says they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say word. The word of their testimony. You want a testimony or you just want the monies? So if you want to get on the other side of this, you're going to run to that sound, take the word of God, and attack what's attacking you. Get a word if you're like, I just, I don't know, I don't have any joy. I'm just depressed all the time. I would find me some word in here, the joy of the Lord is my strength. That's in Philippians. I would find some word, and I would quote every time I started feeling a little depressed, I'd be saying, hey, and I'd say the word out loud. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Romans 10, 17. The sooner you apply the word to what's coming at you, the sooner you get better. The sooner you believe it, you walk it out every time. I've had people say, how many times? How many times has it come? If it comes a million, then you do it a million times. But sooner or later, it'll quit coming. I don't know how to do that. When I be brushing my teeth, you can put stuff on your mirror. You can say 23rd Psalm. You can say Psalm 91. Whatever you're dealing with, put it up there. Stick it. Post-it notes on the dash of your car. I, I suggest don't read it real hard while you're driving. But at a stoplight or something, read it out loud. Do whatever it takes. You see, people are watching because they want something better than what they have. They want fruit. They want results. They want answers. You show them that there is a better way. There is a God, and he loves them. And nothing bad comes from God. When we take action, we bring re revival to others by disciplining and discipling ourselves. Just to showing, you know what, God, I, I will stop doing this. I'll start doing that. Whatever that is, revival will come. People follow success. God always is successful. He never loses. Here's our fourth thought. It's a process, not an event. Because in our mind, we are in a society that wants instantaneous. Everything, microwave it, man. Give it to me quick. How can I get it quick? Whatever that is, just give it to me right now. But really, it's kind of a marathon, not a sprint. Uh, John 7, 24, look beneath the surface and you can judge correctly. If you're praying for revival, how do you know when your prayers are answered? History shows us that spiritual changes work itself out in public policy. And let me give you an example. When the church or people in America rise up and stop tolerating stuff that is just wrong, like abortion, sex trafficking, and they stand up and say, this is not right, there's revival there. 
That is a measurement of revival. When we set our own opinions above God's, when we should be saying, God, who do you want in the White House? Who do you want as government? Who do you want as mayor? Who do you want? Whether you like them or not, what does God say? Do they stand up for the principles in the word? That's what you vote for. You see, when we do things that we take ourselves out of the picture, is that not Jesus' example? It's not what I want, Father, but it's what you want. That's a sign of change towards revival. So when we start changing beneath the surface, things start changing out in the open. Let me say this. God says, when you pray with me secretly, I will reward you publicly. We need to understand stuff happens day by day. Consistent prayer, consistent pushing. It's, an, it's a process, not an event. There's a, there's a man, <laughs> he had his son with him, and I've told the story a long time ago. And it's not in my notes, but the Holy Spirit wants me to tell it, so I'm going to tell it to you. They're walking across the shipyard, and there's just a picture a boat like the Titanic. Now, don't picture it sinking, but just picture a boat like the Titanic, okay? And it's walking there, and the father's talking to the son. The boat's not walking. They're walking there. So the father's talking to the son, and, and he's telling the son about how strong uh, doing something consistently and doing the right thing, it can move mountains. And the little boy's like, you know, he's just a smaller guy. He's, you know, let's say he's seven years old. Gee, Dad, I, that sounds great, but I mean, I don't know. And he said, you see that big boat? And the son said, yeah. He said, I can move that boat. And the little boy said, Daddy, that's a big liner boat. You can't move that boat. He said, if I do it long enough and I stay consistent and hard enough, that boat will move. And the little boy said, oh, I don't know. And the father said, okay, let me show you. And he walks up to the boat, puts his hands, and he begins to push. Boat doesn't budge. And he just stays there. And the little boy's standing maybe, let's say, five, six, seven feet back. People are walking on the dock as they're walking the boardwalk, and they're looking at him like, what in the world is he doing? Sweat's beginning to put on his brow, starting to run down his face, and the little boy, like any little boy would be, I could, I could see Xavier telling, my daddy's going to push that boat. <laughs> and so this little boy's like, my daddy's going to push that boat, and the people start scoffing. They start laughing. And they're like, there's, there's no way, because in the natural, it looks like that can't happen. But the father is relentless. Say that, relentless. Is the enemy not relentless on you? It's time we turn it around. Every time he comes at you, man, you should be like, oh, you should have you left me alone. And you just pull out the word of God. Anyway, this father just continues to push. His face is red. His arms are shaking now. His muscles are tired. And people now, there's not just five people watching. There's 25 people. Now there's 50 people. And he stays there. And his son is saying, Daddy, come on, you can do it. And there's people like, you're a nut. You're crazy. But in just a few seconds later, there's a creak. And that big liner begins to move away from the dock. My friends, that's what this is like. It's a process. It is staying with something that God has given you and just saying, I will not let up. I got a wife and a mama that will not let up. She will pray and pray and pray and pray. And the enemy can come in and say this, and she will say, you, it's on. And she will pray, and she'll pray some more. And he's just, uh, pretty soon he's like, okay, I'm, I can't take this anymore. And that's right. Because God says, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Push it out. Pray it out. Don't stop. It is a process. It's not one and done. I mean, there are things that, you know, you pray it in the name of Jesus, bang, and they're gone. Hallelujah. But the person that they left, 
They're coming back unless you guard the house. Come on. It's a lifestyle. When we are becoming more and more like Jesus, we are daily starting to do what God is telling us. His spirit and your spirit are connecting. We're consistent. We're constant over and over. We are creatures of habit. So it's nice. I mean, I just, my body wakes up. I don't even set my alarm. I wake up at the same time every day. Anybody else do that? I don't even set an alarm. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I slept in five minutes. Boy, don't I feel refreshed. I mean, I could go to bed at 2 in the morning. I still wake up before 5.30. Sometimes I have to tell myself, I'm going to go back to sleep. I'm sleeping in today. But, I'm, you know, it's just part, it's part of my routine. Remember Daniel? This is part of his routine. This is what he did. You need to have a routine with God. Don't do something right just once, but do it every time. We're, we'll finish this up here. The revival, first revival in America was from 1730 to 1770. Second ran from 1801 to 1878. Now think about this. Decades. These revivals spanned over decades. It just wasn't one event. It was just part of who they are. Think if you grew up in that church. Think of the kids that, or the people that came to Brownsville during that revival, and for the next five years, that's what they knew. So when, if the, when the revival stopped there, they're like, what do we do now? I mean, because that's all they knew. They had church every night. When we first started having kids, obviously Mallory was uh, second on the list. Our, her, her brother's with Jesus now. But, I mean, the, you start, you, you get your kid. We had to have, like, oh, she had to have the best shoes. You get it? I mean, like, oh, no, she can't have just. You remember where... Uh, Planet Fitnesses used to be Wells back in the day. Hills was there too, I think, at one time, and then they moved out. Now I don't even know if there's ever a Hills around. But anyway, but, oh, she had to have, she had shoes that I don't even know that she wore once or twice. They looked brand new, and she outgrew them before we could ever. And we were paying dollars for them. You know, when you have your first kid, you're like, yeah, by the time you have your third kid, you're like, give him those. He's a boy, don't matter. He'll grow out. <laughs> Wouldn't that be, a, you know, we just, it's amazing. It's amazing. One day it just seems like, oh, those shoes don't fit anymore. We need to just, God, just bring revival. Bring it in, in, in our homes. It's for every generation. It's so critical that we rise up and disciple people of all ages and backgrounds, millennials and Generation Z, as they call it, or X, or, or baby boomers, whatever generation you're in, we all need God. The Word needs to be taught in the right way of thinking and living and engaging the culture and doing what, you know, we, we, are, we are part in this world, but we're not of this world. Come on. We're going somewhere else. We've, we've talked about that. He's got a place. He's got a mansion. He's got all those things he's, he's setting for us. Now, I don't really want to see it just yet, but I'm excited when I do go. It's a lifestyle. I want to live for God for my life. My kids see me here. This is who I am when I'm home. I'm not two different people. People need to know that you are the genuine article. Here's our last thought for this morning. We need to pick our battles. 2 Samuel 23, 12. But Shammah held his ground in the middle of the field and beat back the Philistines. So the Lord brought about a great victory. You see, wars are won by small battles. You know, this last year, 2020, the whole heart attack. And, and then they said, well, I don't want you to really do anything to upset your heart for a while. Let's just see. And they, now I'm off all the medication, so I have all full doctor disclosure like I needed the doctor's disclosure. But anyway, you know, so because I couldn't stay as active as I used to be, Waite said, I think I'll come back. And, and so I have, you know, so I'm, I'm going to, you know, I'm working on taking some of that off. And I'll get that off. That's fine. I mean, I didn't go nuts, but you know what I'm saying? What I'm telling you is there was not a prayer that I prayed and, and the fat-removing angel came down and I woke up. <laughs> I mean, if there was that prayer and that worked, man, that would be awesome, but that's not how... So small battles are won 
when you have a goal or something, you know, you, you know, if you need to take off 40, 50 pounds, you don't usually do it in one night, but you do it over consistent choices. It's not that you can never have a day that you eat pizza or, or cake or anything, but consistently, for the most part, you're, you're watching what you're... So then, hey, oh, my first goal is five pounds. Oh, great, I reached that. Now I got another five pounds. And you take it in small steps. The championship is won on the practice field. They play it on the day they win it, but they figured out how to do it when they practiced. During the American Revolution, many times uh, towns or small communities were waiting on the army to show up to protect them, and, and, but they're busy fighting other battles, so the townspeople would get together, the pastor and the churches, a lot of church people would get together, and they would go out and engage and fight with the enemy. Because they couldn't wait for everybody else to show up. They had a battle that they had to stand up for. What do you need to stand up for? What are you waiting on? Are you waiting on the cavalry? Guess what? You are the cavalry. Get on your horse. Let's do this thing. Fight for your assigned territory. God, what do you, what's my assignment? This is the territory I'm fighting for. Think about Shama. Shama defended, it says lentils or whatever, so just to make it easy, a pea patch, a bean farmer, whatever you want to say. But he just had a, you're not taking this. This is what I got. This is mine. And he had, you know, he's got a Mr. Miyagi stick. He's going to take care of business. That's in 2 Samuel 23. Because he was assigned there. He stood his ground and won. The Bible says the Lord brought about a great victory. We need national victories. We need the White House victories. We need government victories. But we have to fight the fight of faith here. We have to do our part here. Fight on our level, and it will affect our national level. We need the battle of Marion won, the battle of your neighborhood, the battle of your your neighbor. How about the battle of your house? Lord, we want all these things, but we need some other things brought to us that we can win right now so that we can stand where we're at right now. The local revivals ushered in the national revivals. And that's how we'll see it. When our homes are hungry for God, and when we are ready to come to church and we can't wait to get here. When we tell our neighbors by lifestyle evangelism, by just, we don't have to tell them all the scripture, that's awesome. But if we just show them Jesus loves you, let me help you with that. Let me help you do this. Oh, I see you working. Let me do this. You know, I had some neighbors that we did that too, and I would be, uh, sometimes, you know, it's awkward. They don't know if you're going to try to help them for all day. So I would just go out there and define it. Hey, I got 30 minutes. I thought I'd come out here and help you for 30 minutes, then I got a scoop, man. And they're like, oh, no, that's all right. No, I got 30 minutes, if that's cool. Okay. So I just look at my watch, and 30 minutes, I got to go later. That's what happens. Let's keep our focus on what Jesus wants us to do. What's he saying to you? How are you expressing his kingdom? To your kids, to your home, to your community. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes?